Hello and welcome to this episode of BIA's Leading Local Insights podcast. I'm Rick Ducey, Managing Director of BIA Advisory Services. We're excited to have this podcast to provide an immediate and deeper look into our current insights and assessments of local media. Every Tuesday, a member of our analyst team will provide insights into local traditional and digital ad platforms. We'll talk about BIA's ad forecast updates, offer deep insights into business verticals, and consider tech and business model trends in all the local media space. If you have an idea, if you'd like us to cover, please send us an email at podcast at BIA.com. Today, we're talking with an old friend of mine, uh, Bob Branson, who's the president and CEO of the Multicultural Media, Telecom, and Internet Council, or MMTC, as it's um, more commonly known, since that's kind of a mouthful. <laughs> MMTC, I'll let Bob tell us more about this, but to get us started, it's a nonpartisan national nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting and preserving equal opportunity and civil rights in mass media, telecom, and broadband industries and closing the digital divide. Bob, thank you so much for taking time out. I know you're a very busy person and you're still relatively new taking up the reins at MMTC, but we'd love to hear just a bit about yourself and, and um, how you're approaching your current position. Thank you, Rick, first of all, inviting me and, and giving me an opportunity to spread the word about what we're doing at MMTC. But as you said, let me start a little bit about who I am. I uh, sort of began my idea of getting into this business when I was in high school, when I was asked to uh, put together bicentennial spots for a radio station in a, in a little town called Tappahannock, Virginia. I, I sort of uh, got a taste of, of what it could be to be on the radio. And uh, so I uh, always had that in the back of my mind that, that one day maybe I would be able to do something in the business. Well, I uh, went to college, went to law school, graduated from law school, and my first job out of law school was working for the Federal Communications Commission in the Mass Media Bureau. So I uh, worked on a lot. It's interesting because a lot of issues I'm working on now basically are the same issues I worked in when I first started my career. In other words, uh, media ownership is still there, uh, although the numbers have changed. It's not 777, which is why when I began it was. It's changed quite a bit from that. And, uh, you know, uh, localism, still a big thing uh, there. Uh, I, I worked at uh, the FCC, and then I went over where I met you at the National Association of Broadcasters, worked there for a few years, enjoyed working there on behalf of uh, broadcasting. Uh, I left there and went to work uh, back at the FCC for uh, Commissioner Andrew Barrett as his senior advisor. A uh, great opportunity because we uh, there we looked at rules such as the fence-in rules and things of that nature, and once again, ownership. Uh, from there, I went to work for uh, Post Newsweek Stations, which is a part of the Washington Post Company. I should say, then was a part of the Washington Post Company, now part of Grand Media. Uh, I was general counsel of that organization uh, for about eight years. Uh, I left there to uh, become general counsel of the Association of Local Television Stations, which unfortunately no longer exists. Uh, from ALTV, I went to work for Verizon Wireless uh, and uh, spent all my time at Verizon Wireless about almost 15 years uh, until I began this job. So in a sense, my career has been, I've been on the broadcast side, I've been, uh, on the telecom side, I've been on the wireless side, and I've also uh, been 
uh, cable side. So uh, I, I've been uh, both at uh, in the government, trade associations, and also uh, major corporations. So that sort of brought me to MMTC because all those other jobs, for, for the most part, particularly the last few years, were all corporate jobs. I thought it was time for me to sort of give back a little bit. And part of that was uh, my daughter took a job with the ACLU and she's giving back to the community. And I said, hey, if my daughter can do it, dad should do it too. So <laughs> after I retired from Verizon, this opportunity opened up and I said, oh, good opportunity. And the topics they deal with are topics that I knew. So it wasn't a, a, a large learning curve. Uh, so I was happy to join MMTC in June of this year. You know, I knew, like I said, I knew a lot of people. Frankly, the for the most part, all the exec committee members are people I've dealt with many, many years. Uh, the board is made up of people that I've known for the years. Uh, David Honek, who's who is the president emeritus, I've known him uh, probably since uh, the the, the mid '80s. So it was it was a good opportunity to do things, and like I said, I'm looking forward to trying to make a difference here. I mean, and, and you know, and that's that's my main goal in, in the time that I have is to make a difference for, for, for the communities we serve. That's, um, that's really outstanding. Thank you for that. And it's, you know, I was, as we have known each other for a long time, uh, doing yeah. that joint stint at NAB and kind of uh, kept in touch um, over the years. When I saw the announcement that the MMTC had selected you as its new leader, I was, I was like, oh man, that makes so much sense. Because I mean, you just a career arc, you just, shared with us. I mean, that's kind of the full range of what MMTC takes on. And they, they've changed their name a little bit to take account for how the media and telecom and information industries have uh, both, I guess, expanded what they're doing and scaled what they're doing. And, you know, lately, of course, becoming much more integrated. So these this is all becoming kind of one platform um, uh, for different kinds of services. And it becomes so important uh, to access um, those platforms and services to be able to do what you do. I mean, whether it's business or as uh, private citizens, as consumers, as people looking for information and entertainment. <clears throat> I gave kind of a thumbnail sketch of what MMTC's mission is. And, and you know, when you're talking about giving back, uh, the MMTC is such an iconic organization and so important in so many different ways. Could you could you tell us a bit more about the organization and, and how you're seeing it moving ahead into the future? Well, it, the organization was founded about 35 years ago, which means we've been around a little while, so which, which is really nice. Uh, our, our vision that we have is, you know, we'd love to be able to create a fully connected, educated, healthy, and empowered society in which all communities strive. In other words, we are multicultural. We, we we don't just serve one community of color. We serve all of them. And we serve we serve other people too, the disadvantaged people. I mean, that's part of what, what we try to do. We we try to provide equity and inclusion and we look for social justice. Uh we we participate uh mainly at the, the Federal Communications Commission. Uh we uh we file comments there on a variety of proceedings. We have uh, with uh, the the broadband and the emergency connectivity uh, fund, and also the emergency broadband benefit. Uh, we have participated uh, a lot at the hill on the hill, trying to push that forth. We've also pushed forward on some other initiatives like tax certificates and things of that nature. Uh, we uh, we are broadening out to do other other things. Uh, we uh, we have a program now called Black Churches for Broadband. 
where we're trying to get religious leaders to help educate their communities on what uh, broadband is and how, how they can use it and how they can apply for funds. You know, at the same time, we, we are training uh, the next group of lawyers that can help us. We have a fellowship program uh, whereby we have uh, this year we have uh, well, this semester is that we have nine fellows that, 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 that are learning how to do things and uh, learn how to file comments. One just uh, last week asked about uh, if they could file comments in inmate uh, billing proceeding, which we're trying to figure out how we can get that done, move that forward. Uh, we also, I should also point out, we also have a brokerage business. We're the only minority broker out there for broadcasting other type of stations. We are venturing out into telecom type uh, businesses as well. So it's a whole lot. Unfortunately, we have a very small organization. There's not <laughs> that many people there. So we have to, we have to deal with a, a ton of issues. Uh, and, and which means we have to partner with a lot of people. I mean, uh, we 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 have partnered with uh, our good friend Jim Winston at Nabob on many of the broadcast issues. Uh, we broadcast with uh, big organizations like NAB when we were trying to get a tax certificate policy. Uh, we have other civil rights organizations like the National Urban League, uh, NAACP, uh, the, the Black Chamber, uh, the Hispanic Chamber. So we 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 have learned to take advantage of the resources that we have out there to compensate for the small size of, of people we have. And don't get me wrong, we have a fabulous staff. You know, I have Dr. Fallon Wilson, I have Daniel uh, Davis, uh, I have uh, Ananda who does great work on social media. And of course, David still, David Honig still does does work for us. And Susan Doherty, uh, I got Henry Solomon doing brokerage. So, you know, we, 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 we have a small staff but they're energized because they all have the same mission, and that is to do right by the people we want to serve. Yeah, I mean, that's so impressive to be able to attract the people to the mission and the vision. And yeah, it's overwhelming. I mean, uh, the number of initiatives you have, uh, you know, um, outnumbers the people you have, like, like quite a bit. <laughs> so collaborations and partnerships, you know, of course, like you're saying, make everything so much more powerful, especially in D.C., uh, you know, but ultimately it does come to the to those uh, few sets of shoulders <laughs> um, lifting up so much. And so that that's, it's a great organization there. Uh, and, and you've done so much uh, great work, the organization generally. And then you specifically, since you've come on board, uh, kind of picking up the mantle and, and carrying it forward. One thing I wanted to go into a little bit, um, shortly after you took over the leadership at MMTC, um, you sent a letter to the FCC, you know, in, in many of the things you just said, but line, outlining seven powerful initiatives for racial justice in media. And you, you mentioned just now that a lot of what you do is through the FCC. I mean, you deal with other other groups and, and entities and so on. Um, but that was sort of a, a powerful statement to the FCC and beyond, of course, um, those seven powerful initiatives. Can you talk Talk a bit. I mean, that, those range from kind of technology-centric things to equity and diversity to ownership, which is something I want to come back to in a bit. But um, so, you, you know, if you can tell us just a bit about those seven initiatives and what's happened since you submitted that letter to the FCC, and kind of what are your expectations, you know, in, in the near term and short term for accomplishing some of those initiatives that you set forth. Well, first, let me give credit uh, where credit is due. Uh, acting Chair Rosenworcel, uh, through her staff member, had asked us 
you know, to put together a list. And so we, we took her and, and her staff, Sanford Williams had asked, asked us. So we, we took them at their word that they wanted to hear from us. And, and what we did was we put together some of the initiatives. Many of them, frankly, have been sitting around the commission for a lot of years with no action. So but but uh, we thought, you know, if we could bring it to light, uh, then maybe we could get this commission, which seems to be more inclined to do things to, to do that. Uh, we not only did the letter, we, we also uh, met with each of the commissioners, uh, uh, either the commissioners themselves or their staff, to talk to them about these initiatives and try to try to get the word out. What are the initiatives? Let, let, let me go through go through them, and 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 you'll see. You know, uh, we we first uh, we first asked that uh, on the ownership side that the FCC. Uh, grant an FM booster rule change that would authorize FM radio geotargeting, which actually, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go through these, but I also I won't stop on that one because we, we've already heard from the FCC that we're going to have a meeting, I think, tomorrow on that issue. So, Great. Uh, which, is, which, uh, which is one. Um, or excuse me, later on this week. That's not the one. Later on this week, we'll have a, we'll have a meeting on that. We also look to create a new Station class C4 that would double the power of, of hundreds of small FM stadiums stations, and we would repeal the rural radio policy. You know, which, which you know, as you know, as you know, uh, that deprives small broadcast opportunity to improve the signal coverage. You know, uh, we also are very much want to work on the radio incubator program. You know, the way it is right now, uh, uh, the program has one major uh, deficiency. You know, it uh, incubation of a station on geographically vast but sparsely populated market with 45 stations would entitle an incubating company to local ownership cap or subcap wave in very large market. And, and the commission could easily fix that, you know, to, to make it waivers only in similar size markets. We also, and the commission has opened a docket and recently done something on EEO. Uh, we have long, we've long asked for uh, more action on that. Uh, we think we, we want we want something that was more concrete. And so we're hoping that with opening that proceeding, the FCC can finally do some do some rulemaking on EEO to make it such that it's just not a rule, but something that they enforce or that or that there is a ways that we can uh, monitor what's going on and enforce what our rules may be. Uh, we, we we've asked for a fast track uh, on um, and, and moving forward on a tax certificate and tax credit policy. We, now we understand that uh, tax certificate is a matter which is in Congress. Uh, there are bills both on the House side and the Senate side on tax certificates. Uh, we actually favor uh, the, the language in the Senate bill, but we understand that uh, the way things work uh, on, in Congress is the House, the House takes the lead and the Senate follows. So we hope with reconciliation that we, we can get there. Frankly, we are uh, we are encouraged because this is the closest it's been to breath being enacted in years. Uh, I was at a luncheon on Friday and someone said, well, why haven't they done a tax policy all, all these years? And I said, well, frankly, I have no idea. Because <laughs> it's a win-win situation. I mean, right. you know, we had we had the National Association of Broadcasters join with us to support this on the Hill. 50 state broadcast associations, which, you know, it's almost unheard of. Because if you're talking 50 state broadcast association, you're talking red states and blue states. So for all of them to say, yeah, this is a good idea and we should do it, 
it seems like a no-brainer, but you know, uh, it uh, it's still working its way through Congress. That's one of the ones we we'd like to, do. and I think we we also had uh, quite a few former FCC chairs come out and 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 say it should be done. Uh, you know, the current FCC commissioners and acting chair said it should be done. So that's one we're really hoping. But we're also hoping that we, along with that, that we can create a tax credit for someone that's willing to donate a station to a training institution, you know, like an HBCU, which can help train the next generation of, of, of minority broadcasters. You know, uh, the fifth point we wanted to make was to include diversity, equity, inclusion, impact statements and all rulemakings of general uh, applicability, you know, so that we know uh, that the commission has considered those issues when we're doing rulemaking. Uh, we uh, last but not but not least, uh, we we want uh, uh, the commission to, to, to look at uh, in times of emergency to look at uh, broadcasters requiring foreign language so that, you know, if, if you're in a, an area where some people only speak Spanish, that during times of emergencies, frankly, the only way they can get their messages is are through radio. And sometimes uh, it's a crank radio, let's be honest, we're, we're because because everything else is down. And if, if, if they can't understand English, uh, don't understand English, then the messages are lost. So we've said, let's put make a way so everybody can uh, be safe. And, and, you know, as we go through these days, we're seeing worse and worse uh, events happening uh, around the country, more and more disasters happening. And so that we thought that was an easy one. And I think the commission is going to meet with us on that and, and with some other groups. So uh, hopefully I can have some good news on that next time we talk. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah, I mean, all of these things, I mean, they're they're such different areas of expertise. And, and I can see why you have to rely on a lot of different people. But the, you know, the overall goal clearly, clearly is to make local media more engaging, more relevant, more impactful um, for for our citizens, our audiences and consumers, um, which is which is great. And it's, you know, a continuing kind of um, challenge to to get that balance just right. A couple of things. Um, one is on the ownership side. Uh, the FCC does a biennial uh, study of ownership and they report out one of the things they report out is um, minority multicultural um, ownership. Uh, and I think the current release is, is actually based on 2019 data. And in, in that study, they were showing, you know, um, for all the efforts people have been making, especially with some of these initiatives like you were just outlining, it would be kind of um, excellent if there was a little bit more <laughs> representation in the ownership ranks of, um, uh, you know, minorities. Uh, and, um, how do you, and then there's, um, I'll... I'll um, Say this that it's it's interesting to know. I mean, who actually is a minority-owned station? So one of the things you mentioned, uh, Jim Winston over at NABOB, and and BIA has a great um, honor to work to team with NABOB to to look at uh, black-owned radio stations, and we've been teaming together trying to come up with a well, come up with a list of black-owned radio stations. We're going to add some more data fields to that. So soon, uh, any, uh, NABOB will be releasing um, a report on, on black-owned radio ownership and revenue. 
particularly with these DEI, the diversity, equity, inclusion initiatives and commitments that major ad agencies and brands uh, like GM made some announcements at last week's NABOD meeting and major ad agencies like um, uh, Dentsu and uh, brands like Procter & Gamble. It's like, okay, we want to we want to help these media, but, you know, who are they and how do we get hold of them? So the FCC's report, you know, gives kind of a statistical overview, not that encouraging probably in terms of the change of ownership ranks, but hopefully um, I think the COVID kind of pandemic has been very mixed for us. But one of the things that it has done is I think bring people closer to local media and kind of renew and even build new relationships with local media. So it seems like this is a really good time for some of the initiatives to really hit home for people. I mean, kind of literally. Uh, so more ownership um, could be great to whatever tax certificates or a change in technical facilities to let those stations that are out there now have a different competitive edge in the market than they than they have in the past to be more relevant and frankly generate more revenue so they can keep doing what they're doing. Um, th so those are all good things. That's kind of what you're trying to accomplish big picture. You know, the good thing about tax certificates, and I always tell people, is that tax certificates by definition mean the station has a chance of of uh, succeeding because you don't need a tax certificate if you got a failing station because you, there are no tax you know what I mean for the most part you know you know what I mean in other words it's got a it, it it you're looking to avoid some 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 taxation there so by definition almost you I mean uh, it, it's a better than, than than some other station by the same token you know if you have a failing station that you can get some benefit from by making an incubator program that's good for both parties as well. Yeah. Uh, we we also though uh, in fact I think it was last month uh, maybe a month a month and a half ago we got a call from some people on the hill some of the, the staffers asking about advertising to minority stations and I know that's a big one because you mean know, you know I mean advertising dollars are the lifeblood of broadcasting I mean that's you know that's what broadcasters have to rely on I mean, you know if you if you're not getting the advertising dollars from the big guys you won't su succeed you know but, uh, and I learned that working for a big guy when I worked for Post Newsweek stations. You know, that was very, very critical. I mean, when I first started working there as a TV station, you know, we got network comp that went out the window, what, but 15 years ago. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> so, so, you know, so you need to rely upon, upon advertising dollars and, and many of uh, the minority stations, you know, because they're small, they don't, they, they don't tap in to the big dollars that a Procter and Gamble, some others do. I, I think, I think Nabob has been working very, very hard to, to to open those doors, and I think there have been some proposals uh, for 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 groups to get together. You know, in other words, you know, I mean, you 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 have five stations, ten stations that are willing to to combine together to to seek those advertising dollars. I think that's that's a probably a good idea. That you know, if that works out, uh, we're not directly involved with that. In other words, when when the congressional people call me. I said, yeah, I'm very supportive. I want to help as much as I can, but you need to talk to Nabob because <laughs> they're 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 yeah. they took they take the lead on that and 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 we are happy to support them. But they know, as you said, I mean, he has the data that you've given him, so he knows he knows the facts and figures. I don't know that, right. and so I'm I'm always been willing to say what I know and what I don't know. I'm always willing to tell people that and. Uh, and 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 try to help them find the answer, find out who they can go to that can provide them with the information they need. And in this area, obviously, when we look at the FCC report. I mean, it it uh, it's it's eye opening that it's 2021, 
And frankly, you know, when I began my career, it's probably not that much different, you know. Right. And, and you think about all those years that, that we have been pushing and trying to change the picture. Now, I know a lot of, a lot else has changed, you know, and, and, and the nature and character of broadcasting has changed. But that one issue of, of trying to diversify is something that I'm hoping that uh, one day we never have to deal with. But I think it's going to take a lot of work between now and, and that day to get there. And then fortunately, we have some members of the FCC uh, who have been very, very active and willing to, to, to think about think outside of the box. You know, uh, even um, even even on the Republican side, uh, I, I know uh, the newest commissioner. Uh, had conversation with us uh, regarding localism and how he wanted to push localism. And so, yeah, we were happy to, to meet with him and talk to him, talk to him about it. I have not I've not talked to Commissioner Carr about it, but I know him personally as a great guy. And so I'm sure if I raised it with him, I'm sure I'd get a good response from him. I just, just haven't raised it when I need to. But 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 uh, he's a good guy. And I, I know the acting chair. I, I know that's one of her goals. That's why she you know, we'll, we'll put out the report to show what's going on because you know you got to have a you got to have a starting point before you move, right. sometimes That's before right. you make a change you got to know where you are. Yep. You know, yeah. So I think I think uh, we we are looking forward to uh, doing more with them in this area. That's great, Bob. I really appreciate your spending time with us. Um, one, one more thing before we do uh, break. You're doing so much, and like you're saying, small staff and and working with a lot of other. Um, people uh, that are kind of supporting that mission and, and in different ways. Um, how do people find out more about what you're doing? I know you do conferences, different kinds of events. Um, how, how can people find out more about what MMTC is doing and see if there's a role for them to help you out? Please, please, first of all, go to our website, which is www.mmtconline.org. We, we have everything there. We do put out a newsletter. Uh, we do hold conferences. Uh, we're looking at we're looking at some things now. We, we're looking going forward. Uh, we will, like I said, next year hopefully have the Black Churches for Broadband program. Um, we uh, yeah we we participate in like I said a lot of a lot of proceedings at the FCC. I think we will be we will probably be doing more on the Hill because of some issues coming up that that we will be involved with. Uh, particularly on the on the, probably looking at things on the privacy side, which we which which I think are gearing back up again. Um, but I, I think we also on social media. We're you know we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, uh, we're on LinkedIn. Uh, we you can find us on any of those. You can follow us on those. Please do follow us because the the, the more we get other people following us and and knowing what we're doing, you know that creates another army for us. So when we need to. We, we need to go to the FCC. We need to go to Congress. We can say, look, we've got all these followers who are supporting us. And that makes a difference. So if you want to make a difference, I would hope that that people would, would go to our website or follow us on social media. And I appreciate you offering that, Rick, because I think that's very, very important for us. Cool. You bet. Yeah. And, and you know, MMTC is, is a powerful group with a great heritage to it. And um, a long future. Hopefully, some of the goals won't take as long as uh, the <laughs> as, as some of the things we're thinking about uh, as we look backwards. Uh, and um, I, I'll just say personally, I think that you're a fabulous choice for a leader, and I'm so excited to see how you move the the whole organization and generally the movement forward. Thank you so much for joining us today, Bob. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, thank you all for joining us uh, on this podcast. Uh, this has been Rick DC for BIA and Services Podcast. Tune in for more BIA podcasts where we bring industry insights straight to you. 
We also invite you to visit our webinars page at www.bia.com, where we'll post uh, events that have already happened and upcoming events related to our data, insights, and thought leadership in the local ed marketplace. Thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your day.